Tonight, I want to speak about mountains that we climb or mountains that God wants us to climb in ministry. Are you with me? Now, I'm going to be going a little bit from a leader standpoint, but I believe everyone here has leadership potential. And not only that, that you are a leader in some way, form, or fashion. Now, I believe we benefit by being real and honest about life and also the expectations and the challenges of life. How many know life happens? Sometimes and many times it doesn't happen the way we think it should happen. And things happen in life and it's like, whoa. Things happen in ministry and whoa. Because that's the way it is. It happens. I read a story about a priest, a minister, and a rabbi. No, they didn't go into a bar. They went fishing. How many know sometimes they need to get away and fish? But the fish weren't biting. So the priest got out of the boat and walked across the water to another spot. Then the minister did the same thing. He got out of the boat and he walked to another place across the water. And the rabbi got out of the boat and he started to sink. And all of a sudden, he tried again and he almost drowned. And finally, the priest said to the minister, do you think we should tell him where the rocks are? See, life and ministry can be dangerous without a good foothold, without a good foundation. And I really believe that's why God is bringing us to certain peaks within our lives, because he wants to deal with us not only on the inside, but also on the outside. And all of the events that happened in my 23 years of ministry, good and bad, has helped shape my spiritual growth. Am I perfect? No. Have I arrived? No. Not by any means. But everything that I've gone through, good and bad, has helped shape me to who I am today. And it's the same thing for you. Whatever you're going through in your life, and your ministry, you have to understand it is shaping you for the future. Because the plan that God has for you is greater than the plan you have for yourself. It was the Apostle James who said this. I'm reading out of the message. Considered a sheer gift. I already made a PowerPoint. There it is. Considered a sheer gift when tests and trials come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, everybody say pressure, your faith life is forced into the open and it shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do its work so you can become mature and well-developed. See, God uses everything within our lives to develop us. Sometimes we run away from trials and tribulations. Oh, no, I'm going to give up. I'm going to quit. I'm going to do something else. And God says, no, I laid that in front of you for a reason because I'm bringing you to another level. I'm bringing you to another stone you need to step on. I'm bringing you someplace where I want you to be. Are you with me tonight? So why is it pure joy or a sheer gift? Because every trial, every difficulty, every challenge is an opportunity for you and I to become more like Christ. And that's the bottom line. That's what we want to do. We want to be more like Christ. He's, he's our gauge, our measuring tape. And what I'm going to share with you today, I believe, will be helpful and also encouraging. Now, I want to take us on a little journey. And whenever you go on a journey, every journey has a destination. If it doesn't have a destination, you're wandering around in circles. And that's not any fun. Because you never end up anywhere. You just wonder, It's like being a dope fiend. Can I go there? Because I was there for 23 years. I know where to go. 
Now, when I was a dope fiend, I just ran around in circles. Same old, same old, into jail, out of jail, all that stuff. And nothing ever changed for 23 years until I walked into the men's home in the heart of the bay. And all of a sudden, God got a hold of my life. Things began to change because God had a plan and a purpose and a destiny for my life like he has for all of us here tonight. So we have a destination. Listen, heart of the bay, we are going somewhere. Like the priest and the minister, we need to find the rocks so we don't sink. We don't want to sink. I can't swim. I don't want to sink. No, really, I can't. So if you want to go to the ocean and stuff, I'll be on the beach. Take me to a pool, I'll be on the edge. Hallelujah. I don't swim. But I remember one time when I got married, we had our honeymoon in Baguio in the Philippines. It's a mountainous area, if you don't know. And I remember climbing to the top of a mountain. And it was very difficult. It was very hard. Whenever you're climbing, how many know it's not easy? I was a lot younger then. I'm not going to say how much. But anyway, it took endurance, perseverance, and hard work to get to the top. Are you with me? And everything was brought into perspective when I got up there and I saw the view. Once I saw the view, it was all worthwhile. All the sweat, all the breathing heavy, all the muscle ache, all the pain, the back, everything was worth it because I had a great view. Pastor Steve would call it the view of a few. And see, we have to understand we are climbing mountains for God. Now, getting to the peak and seeing the view is great, but without hard work and perseverance and endurance, I never would have seen it. And it's the same in ministry. If we don't work hard, we don't do what we have to do, we're not going to see the end result. We're not going to see the glory. Are you with me? We're not going to see the vision come to pass. We, the problem is with a lot of people today, we start out strong, it's okay, but then all of a sudden we peak out too quick. And we don't want to keep moving forward, moving upward. But that's what we're called to do. Are you with me? See, as leaders, our responsibility is to lead God's people in the right direction. And everyone here is a leader on some level. Your children, your brother, your sister, your family, whatever. You're leading on some level if you're here tonight. So it's our responsibility. See, I do believe that in order to lead God's people with clarity of vision, there's got to be a number of spiritual mountain peaks that God desires to take us. Now, these peaks are not about what we have done or about what we're going to do. It's about something more important. These peaks are about what you are and who you are becoming because that's what God cares about. He doesn't care what you do. He cares about who you are. Are you with me? Now, let's look at these mountains. The first mountain we see is Mount Ararat. I think that's how you say it. Genesis 8, verse 1, part of it says, God remembered Noah. Say, God remembered Noah. Can you say that? Now, put your name there. God remembered. Thank you, Gregory. You're obedient, bro. Then verse 4. And on the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest on the mountains of Ararat. The mountain of Ararat were a place of hope and refuge for Noah. In Hebrew, it means a sacred land or a high land. See, they had been floating, Noah was floating around 
on an endless ocean for five months. Now, he could have been tripping. If I was on a boat for five months and I saw no land, no nothing, and I smelled all the animals, I think I would be tripping as well. And here he was, five months, he probably thought that God forgot about him because the sea didn't have any end. But Noah's obedience to God and his leadership had brought him to a place of isolation. Sometimes we will find ourselves in a place of isolation. And when we get to that place of isolation, we have to understand God is still with us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. No matter what we feel, he's there. At this moment, Noah felt like he was all alone. With all the animals and his family, he felt all alone. See, he knew that he had found favor in the eyes of God because his family and himself were the only ones left alive. But he may have thought he had been forgotten as he drifted from one month to the next month to the next month to the next month. Have you ever thought about that, the loneliness he must have felt? It had to take a lot of faith. Hearing nothing from heaven. And remember, he was hearing the voice of God as he built the ark for hundreds of years. But he heard nothing. Isolation. Some of you that have been in prison, you know about isolation. You get in a fight, they lock you down. You do something, they lock you down. You get attacked, they lock you down. You come here, we'll take it off. Amen. See, but the thing is, God gave him the plan, but he didn't tell him how long he would be on the ark. He didn't say how long he would be confined. He didn't tell him when or how it was going to end. So maybe Noah, who was a believer and a leader, found the flood lasting longer than he thought. Maybe he thought it was going to be like a 30-day cruise. And all of a sudden, there he is, stuck on the ark. Maybe he began to think the Lord forgot about him. Have you ever felt like that? Where all of a sudden you feel isolated and dry, there's nothing there. I think if we would be honest, we've all been there. It doesn't matter how long you've been serving God. There's times when he isolates, says, okay, silence, nothing. Then what are you going to do? You're going to give up? You're going to quit? You're going to fight on. See, the only thing he had to hang on was to the promise that God had given him. Have you ever been in that place of drifting? where you're just drifting and drifting and drifting and you feel like nothing's taking place. Your family's all messed up. Your ministry's all messed up. Whatever it is, your job, everybody's negative and cursing and all that stuff. And you feel, man, I'm just drifting through this thing. I don't even like this job anymore. I don't even want to be here anymore. Drifting, drifting. Then we find some great words. But God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. See, in my ministry, these words were not just a blessing, but they were a lifeline. These, it was a lifeline that sustained me through many, many trials. It enabled me to press on through times of wanting to give up on the other side of the world because we didn't have victory hours on every corner. It wasn't all, we, didn't, we only had one church for a long time, then finally two. But we were out there alone. And there were times when it was hard, it was difficult. 
We just couldn't call anybody all the time. Times of giving up, times of drifting. But God remembered. God remembered. God remembered. See, the important and significant thing about this mountain is that Noah and his family didn't have to climb it. Think about it. They were taken to it by God himself. God took him there. It was a place of safety, a place of refuge, a place of divine promise. They didn't have to climb that mountain. God took him there. See, if God called Noah into the ark and shut him in, then it would be God who would open that door and lead him out. Oh, you didn't hear what I said. See, if God called you to a ministry, God called you to do something, he shut you in, he gave you that, he's going to get you out of that. Are you with me? No matter what it is, God's there with you. He's going to make a way. He's going to get you on the top of that mountain you need to be on. He's going to do what he needs to do. You're not going to have to climb that thing. He's got you in his hand. He's going to float you right over there because that's how God operates. In our weakness, in our times of testing and difficulty, it's God who lifts us out of the pit and out of the mud and the mire, and he sets our feet upon the rock. And that's what happened with Noah. See, if you don't know the rock, you'll sink like the rabbi. See, Ararat is God's safe place, God's preservation. This is the mountain that God himself will take us at certain times during our life and during our ministries. Safety and refuge. There's times we need that. Safety and refuge. The next mountain is Mount Moriah. Genesis 22 Abraham, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the mountain of Moriah. Moriah is the mountain where we as leaders willingly take all that matters to us. Everything. Everything that we love and we offer to God in sacrifice. All that we are, everything we have, it doesn't matter. We bring our family, we bring our ministry, we bring our hopes, we bring our dreams, we bring our time, our energy, our desires, our pleasures, all that we are, and we offer it to God. That's what Mount Moriah is all about. Everything. Giving everything. See, this mountain is a place I believe all godly men and women, especially leaders, must come to. It's a place where God said to Abraham, because you have given me your most cherished possession, your son, I know how much you love me. Because you gave your best. I know how much you love me. That's what Mount Moriah is all about. A place of personal sacrifice. Let me tell you something right now. If you're all wrapped up in yourself, you're overdressed. That's a Facebook moment right there. If you're all wrapped up in yourself, you're overdressed. Forget about self. Start living for God. See, the Bible tells us that you are not your own. You have been bought at a price. The price of Jesus Christ that he paid on the cross, his blood, his sweat, everything. He gave it all. That's what he paid. See, God didn't ask him his thoughts concerning the sacrifice of his son. He didn't ask that. It wasn't open for debate. Are you with me? 
God did not reveal his plan and purpose to Abraham so that he consider it or pray about it or even have a peace about it. No, sometimes it's not a question of whether we have peace. It's a question, are we being obedient to what God has called us to do or not? Are we being obedient or not? Sometimes you're not going to have peace when God calls you to do something, but are you going to be obedient or not? It wasn't up to discussion. God says, do it. He did it. When God calls you to do that, are you going to do it or make excuse? Ooh. That's not a Facebook moment right there. That's a, right there. But it's the truth. We make all kinds of excuses. Brother, I think you should be doing No, you do it. God spoke to you, you do it. Don't make excuses why you can't do this and why you can't do that. If God asks you to do it, he will equip you to do it. That's the way God operates. See, I don't think Abraham had a peace when he was holding a dagger over his only son. He didn't have peace in his heart. You think he had peace in his heart? I doubt it. Because remember, in those days, there was a lot of pagan worship where they were killing kids. He thought, oh, here goes my son, and I got to do it. Now, if you're a father or a mother, you know how that must have felt. Crazy. He feared and he trusted at the same time. When God calls you to do something, there's going to be an element of fear. But you got to have fear and trust at the same time. You know what that's called? Courage. Fear and trust. If you say you don't have fear, you're a liar. Everybody has fear. Everybody. He's going there, yeah. God said sacrifice, so Abraham did it. See, he didn't ask Abraham for a material sacrifice. He asked for his heart, his soul, his whole being. He asked for his promise, his vision, his destiny, everything, everything. We complain when they pick up the title. Oh, they want the money. That's nothing. That's nothing. Learn to be blessed. Learn to give. Put yourself in blessings way. The more you give, the more easier it is to sacrifice to God. And you're blessed doing it. If I can only, can I share a little bit personally? When we came back, I, I didn't understand why my daughter had to go through all these things. I didn't understand it. When she was born, she died in the night three times and all these different things. I'm asking God, God, why? God, why? God, why? It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, son. He just said, take her out of that hospital because there was a doctor I called Dr. Satan there. Said, she's not going to make it. But my God said, she is going to make it. My God told me, I'm taking her out of this hospital. They said, you can't do that. I go, who's going to stop me? I'm 240 of mean right here. Not now, I've lost weight, but then. <laughs> now I'm 215 of mean, hallelujah. But I said, who's going to stop me? You? You're not stopping me. Well, you got to take her in. Well, that's fine, I'll take an ambulance. I don't care. I always wanted to ride in an ambulance anyway. <laughs> on, the other, on the front seat, hallelujah. <laughs> he wouldn't let me drive. I said, I can outdrive you here in this traffic. Anyway. That's another story. But look at her. Then we come here. We don't have finances for all these high-priced surgeons and all that. And we got the best surgeons in California working on her. It's all God. It's all God. 
She's a worshiper. I can't have a bad day around her. Because the Holy Spirit drops every time she opens her mouth every single morning. How am I going to have a bad day? She's a blessing. See, God was jealous for the man. Not for what the man could do. He was jealous for the man. Mount Moriah is the place where God doesn't want 95% of what we've given him. He wants the 5% we hold back. That's what he wants. He wants it all. What if Jesus would have said, okay, when it's time for the, well, <laughs> forget it. I'm leaving. Nah. He said, oh, I'll do all, I'll let him beat me, I'll let him do all this, but nails in the hands and feet? I don't think so. What if he would have done that? Where would we be right now? No, no, he gave 100%. He didn't say, well, I'm not going to do the cross. That's the problem with us. We want to, well, I'm not going to go there. Never mind. <laughs> I want you to still love me. Next mountain, Mount Sinai. Exodus 19, 17. Then Moses led the people out of the camp to meet with God, and they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now Sinai is where God and man come face to face. Can you imagine that? This is amazing. It's where a place we're meeting with God himself. This is a mountain and a place where God both shapes and molds us. Are you with me? This is where he creates and hones us. It is a mountain of abandonment. In other words, giving total control to God. That's what it is. Give it all to God. God, take my life. Use it for what you want to. It's giving full control. That's what we don't like, especially in this country. We want to do things our way. We like Burger King. We do all this because we want to have our own way. We want to do this. We want to do that. No, no, God say, no, it's not about you. It's about me. This is where we understand we give God total control. See, it's this kind of moment where nothing else matters. Seek first his kingdom and everything else will follow. Sinai is the meeting place with God. As leaders, we have to be found on this mountain. This is where we need to hang out the most. Sinai is the meeting place. See, we meet with him with no time limits. No time limits. No requests. No restrictions. See, I bet when Moses was up there with God face to face on the mountain, he was up there a long time. You seen the movie, he came back with a great beard. <laughs> no, we don't know how long he was up, but he was just up there kicking it with God. He didn't care about time. He didn't care about what people thought. He, he didn't care, man, if he came down glowing so much being in the presence of God that they were going to ah! He just put a veil over his face. He was a veiling in prayer, prayer, amen. But he didn't care what people thought. He spent time with God. Face to face. See, Sinai is a time of privacy in the secret place. That's what it is. Now, no matter where your secret place is, it's privacy. It's secret. Just you and God. Just you and God. This is where we open our hearts to him. It's intimacy. It's divine. It's like, like Moses. He cried, I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. 
Songs of Solomon 1.3. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. You want to get in that chamber with God. Let him do what he has to do. Give him full control. See, this is a place of intimacy. It's a moment that's not shared with anyone else. Intimate. The sacred place, the secret place, shared by no one. Oswald Chambers said this in my utmost for his highest. This is where success is measured, not in externals, but in a quiet heart before the Lord. That's success. That's success. Everything else is just, bah. this is success. Sinai is the mountain where we share with God our song of songs, where we can really worship him in spirit and in truth with no one around. I don't care how bad you sing. God loves it. You don't care. You don't care. You know, it's hard for me to sing in my house because my wife sings so good. But then I hear my daughter, okay, we're we're in tune. (laughs) Because she's got my voice. Hallelujah. But God likes it. So you don't have to be a singer to sing for God. Just get in the shower. Everybody sounds good in the shower. I'm serious. Okay, next mountain, we're almost done. Two more mountains. Mount Pisgah. Mount Pisgah. Deuteronomy 3.27. Go to the top of Mount Pisgah and look west and north and south and east. Look at the land with your own eyes. Everybody say own eyes. See, Mount Pisgah is the mountain of dreams, vision, and revelation. See, this mountaintop enabled Moses to see the vision of the inheritance of the Israelites. He was able to see the promise of the land overflowing with milk and honey. See, for Israel, it was no longer a dream or something that would happen in the future. No, it was there. It was just around the corner. See, Mount Pisgah was the place where God wanted to show Moses the next step for the people of Israel, the next step. And then he showed them who the leader would be, the next leader. See, God said, look with your own eyes. See, we got to be careful, Victory Hour. We said, we don't look through the eyes of other churches, looking at their concepts and their ideas. We can't do that. We're special. We're peculiar. We're different. We're awesome. This is the only time we can say we're awesome, okay? But we are. We have to look with our own eyes. See, many times God will ask the prophets a question that's still critical for you and I today. What do you see? What do you see? Do you see the vision of our ministry? Do you see the vision of our ministry locally in the heart of the bay? Do you see our overall global vision of Victory Outreach International? What do you see? And where do you fit in that vision? See, when he was on the mountain, he knew he wasn't going to make it because of disobedience. But he also knew that the rest of them, and Joshua would lead them, and they would go to the promised land, and they would do everything that God had promised him. Because the vision outlasts the one with the vision. Is this on? It's always greater than the one holding and carrying the vision. It goes to the next generation, and the next generation, and the next generation, and it keeps going. What are you doing about that? See, God did not ask what do others see. He says, what do you see? 
God never explained the process of taking the land. When God sends you on a missionary journey or somewhere to go take a city for God, he's not going to explain everything. He's not going to write down a little map and put all these notes on there and say, this is what you got to do. You got to talk to this one. You got to do that. You got to do this. No, you go with a vision and you step out in faith. You get on a plane. You end up in a country and you do what God called you to do without a plan. He unfolds a plan, unfolds a vision as you step in faith. Even if it's here in the local church and you want to teach the kids, take a step. Take a step. He'll reveal it. Take a step. Lead a life group. Do something. Go evangelize. Do anything. Come cut some hair. Do something. You can start on me. It doesn't matter. You can practice on me. Hallelujah. Everybody else does. <laughs> Just don't touch the beard. Last time Ishmael got a hold of that, he'd be wrecked it. I had to shave it off. <laughs> Amen. He did the hair part okay, but the beard, don't let him trim your beard. <laughs> Words of wisdom, he's not a beard guy. <laughs> he jacked me. I looked next morning, I go, what? <laughs> I look like a dog. <laughs> what the heck is going on here? A mangy dog. I look like I should be put down or something. I don't know. I had like blotches. There's a blotch, a blotch there, and a blotch here. I go, what? This is ugly. I looked like one of those barangay dogs in the Philippines. All sucked up going, ah. It was bad. Thank you, Ishmael. The next step is what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about what you see? Even when you don't know how, what are you going to do? What are you going to do about it? God equips you along the journey. I want you to know that right now. Amen? Hebrews 11 talks about a hero's faith. In verse 32, it says these words. And it should be on the screen. Amen. And what more shall I say? I do not have time to tell you about Gideon, Barak, Samson, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, administered justice, and gained what was promised. The Bible says they gained what was promised. See, yes, God had promised it, but it was their choice to go forward and gain it. If you want the promise, you've got to gain it. You've got to step out in faith. You've got to work for it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to do whatever it takes. See, victories just didn't fall into their laps. They had to fight for it. They had to take it. If we're going to take the city, the East Bay, and beyond, we've got to get busy. We've got to take it by force. We're not just going to, the devil ain't going to roll over because we're the heart of the bay. No, we've got to get together. We've got to unify. We've got to pray down fire. We've got to hit the streets. We've got to raise up more life groups. We've got to do what it takes to win this city for God's honor and God's glory. You've got to gain it. We've got to gain it. I remember a time during my ministry when I asked God a question. Lord, when are you going to fulfill the promise? You know what he said? That's a good question. When are you going to do it? That's, God rebuked me right there. When are you going to do it? I go, ooh, that hurt. Here I'm expecting God to do it. You know, God said, no, you do it. I'll be with you. You do it. I'll be with you. You do it. I'll do my part. Are you with me? See, to fulfill our vision, we have to take it. 
We've got to take it. The kingdom suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. We've got to take it. We've got to take time to climb Mount Pisgah. And then God will reveal to us his heart. See, even when they got to the top of the mountain, they only saw a small portion of the land of Canaan. Only a little bit. Only a little bit. That was just the beginning of a lifetime of gaining what God had promised to them. And that's where we see ourselves 45 years later in ministry. We're just gaining and gaining and gaining and gaining, taking more cities, taking more land, taking more things from the devil. And that's where we're at in our ministry worldwide. But we're still gaining. We're gaining. Well, what if this next generation doesn't want to gain anymore? Well, what if they get satisfied where they're at? No, no, we got to keep gaining and keep gaining and keep gaining and keep gaining. We can't stop. We've got to keep doing it. See, this is just the beginning. God is going to begin to show you glimpses of your vision. He's not going to show you the whole thing, but he'll show you a little bit. Boom. Boom. I remember my first glimpse of the vision. I was kneeling at the altar, one of the places we inhabited. <laughs> I can't remember which one. And I remember Pastor Steve was praying, and I was at the altar, and I began to see Filipino faces. I began to see brown faces. And that's when I, that was my first, oh, it started giving birth to a vision. It started giving birth to something in here. I could feel it in my bowels. I could just feel it and feel it. I began to moan and groan in the spirit. That was the beginning, the glimpse of the vision that had God from, vision God had for my life. See, it was then up to Joshua and the new generation. They had to go forward and begin to gain that which had been promised. What are we instilling in the next generation? What are we instilling in their lives? What do they see in us? It's not enough just to yell about the vision. We've got to be about the vision. Are you with me? What are we showing our children? What do they see? You can tell the parents by what the children do. Train them upright. You can tell. Because if the kids are running around crazy and da 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 I know the kids are kids, but when they get like real violent, real crazy, real, real crazy, then something's wrong at home. Something's wrong in the house. Ooh, it got quiet. I'm not going to go there. Let's stay focused. Sorry, let's climb another mountain, okay? Ooh getting hot up here last mountain last mountain before I get fried Mount Calvary Luke 23 verse 33 when they came to the place called Mount Calvary there they crucified him along with the criminals one is at his right and one at his left, on his left. See, Mount Calvary is the mountain we're told to climb every day. Every single day. So we can take up our cross and follow him. The problem with you and I sometimes, we like designer crosses. You know, the ones that look good. The ones that will fit in at the club. Well, that's a nice cross, man. Yeah. But we don't want to take that old rugged cross up. 
Because that don't look good in the club. It's heavy. Man, every time I pick it up, I get splinters in my back. It hurts. The thing's heavy. It's ugly. There's blood on it. But that's the cross you and I are called to pick up. Not the cute one with diamonds on it. Diamonds are a girl's best friend. But that's the mountain we're called to climb and the cross we're called to pick up. See, Mount Calvary is where we see the ultimate sacrifice of a shepherd that's dying for his sheep. He could have spoken out, but he didn't. He could have pushed his own will, but he didn't. He could have called down angels, but he didn't. He looked for an easier way, but he chose to follow the way of the cross. Not my will, but your will, Father. He took the way of the cross, even though it was the hardest road anyone would have to travel. But he did it. Jesus was no wimp. I'll tell you that right now by the way he gave his life. You know, I hate seeing these movies with little skinny Jesus on the cross. No, I think Jesus was yoked. He was a carpenter, my friend. They didn't have no power tools. He had to chop down wood. He had to cut the wood. He had to do all that stuff by hand and then carry it to the house. He knew how it was to carry a cross. They beat him half to death. He still carried a cross. He was a man's man. He was no la-la. He played for the Giants, hallelujah. In case someone from L.A. hears the tape. (laughs) We win! Amen. But here's the key here. The prince of peace and love died the most violent death in history. Never hurt anybody. Loved everybody. Tried Tried to give them what they needed. He gave of himself every single day, every single day. Let's look at his last prayer before the false trials, the false beatings, the scourging, and the cross. John 17, 15 through 19, and we're going to almost close here. I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself that they also may be sanctified by the truth. See, we are being sent into the world for a reason. We're being sent because God has a plan. God wants to reach the unreachable. That's why God called Victory Outreach in these end days because he's called us to go to the places where no other ministry will go. See, as Jesus has been sent by the Father, we are sent by the Son. His mission is our mission. Jesus asks that we are sanctified, set apart, and consecrated for our task. It's the truth of Jesus' word. It's the whole message of God's love and glory revealed in the words and teaching of Jesus, which equips us for our mission. We've already been called. We've already been made clean by the word. Now we are sanctified by it because we belong to Christ. He paid the price. We're covered in his blood. That means every sin we've ever committed or ever committed in the future is already covered. It's already taken away. 
Not like the old days when they slaughtered rams and goats and all that stuff, as you admitted to earlier. That just covered the sin, but Jesus took them away once and for all. Once and for all. You are sanctified by the blood of the Lamb. For a reason, a purpose. God has a plan for your life. Are you with me? We belong to him. Union with him gives us the authority and the power for our mission. That's the bottom line. It's time to take up his cross. As the keyboard comes, it's time to take up his cross. It's time to give God, not 95%, but give him 100%. Give him your best. Who knows how long we have on this earth? The way things are going, man, it's pretty, you can come any time. The world is going to hell. It's going to hell quick. And we're living in the end days. All the scripture has been fulfilled. Even the utensils that were made for the temple are already done. It could happen at any second. It could happen when we walk out there. There's going to be a final amen. I don't know when it is. God does. Wouldn't it be awesome to be leading somebody to the Lord on a street corner? And as soon as you say amen, you're up in the air. Woo. That's what's going to happen. There's a final amen. And then we're going to go. We're out of here. Then all those terrorists and ISIS and all those guys to do whatever they want. Because when we come back, we're coming back with him. And we're going to take control. But while we're here, now, we're called to bring heaven to earth. We're called to make a difference here and now. And the only way it's going to happen is if we do what we talked about. Sometimes we got to get into God's safe place, a safe place of preservation. We got to climb Mount Moriah. Personal and costly sacrifice. Mount Sinai, where we meet with God face to face in his chambers. Mount Pisgah, the mountain of dreams and vision, where we see what God has promised. Mount Calvary, where we pick up our cross every single day and we follow him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, as your Holy Spirit begins to move in ministry, pray you've allowed me to give your word clearly and concisely. Now I pray you will minister to every heart, every mind. This is the real deal. We got to be prepared. We got to be ready. We got to be willing to pay the price to meet with you see our dreams and vision come to pass, God. To see the promise that you've given us. And yeah, to pick up our cross. Give us the courage to make good decisions, God. If you're here tonight and you feel that God has ministered to you, that he's going to bring you to another level. Yeah, I know you're going through trials. I know you're going through stuff. We all do. But God's got that place of refuge. He wants to bring you to a place of safety. But he also wants you to bring you to a place where he can use your life for his honor 
his glory. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if that's you tonight, I want you to slip up your hand.